We're blasting you with two movies on this episode of Quality Check Podcast. Joining me in the captain's seat is Drew Douglas, and of course, I'm yours truly, Daniel Posey. Oh, you changed it up. You scared me. I did. I was, I was like, where's like, he going with this? <laughs> I'm like, I'm, I'm going to try it since it's kind of a, it's been a while since we've done a twofer episode, right? Where we've done Loves, Hates on two different movies, two brand new movies. I feel like, I feel like we, we barely even do movies at this point. I we know, just kind of <laughs> talk about um, whatever, uh, whatever comes into mind but yeah we have two very different movies today two big movies that were released within the last couple of days is it fair to say that one is pretty good and one's a stink fest (laughs) it's you know what's weird here's this here's the funny thing because i was thinking about this it's been on my mind all day and actually ever since i've seen both of these movies we're going to talk about but there's one that's gotten decent reviews critically and then the other one is like, okay, there's mild. Whereas they flip with the audience scores. And I'm like, I wonder which side, I, I'm pretty sure going into this, I'm like, we're going to fall pretty in line with each other. But there's a little bit of a twist on one of the movies that I have. And I'm curious, um, like how we'll end up leaving this podcast once we're done recording. Because I don't know if it's going to be a big shock or not. But a mild one. I'll go with that. Hmm. So we're going to talk about Marvel Studios' 33rd movie in <laughs> the Marvel Cinematic Universe. 33 movies. So that doesn't seem real. It's Marvel's The Marvels. <laughs> and then uh, David Fincher's The Killer, which you saw mm-hmm. theatrically a couple weeks ago. I had to wait for the old Netflix stream. So you've had a couple weeks to let it suit. Now I will say I I have watched it twice, and you've been you've beat me on that. I've only seen it once, but I I have this past weekend and ever since. Well, I mean it's only been on Netflix this weekend, but uh, for one weekend that is. However, I have thought a lot about it, and almost Friday night I almost hit the play button. I even pulled it up at work, and I'm like, this is worth getting fired over. But I <laughs> why did you get fired? Because it's supposed to be because you're like you're freaking streaming a two yeah you're streaming a two hour movie. Uh, I mean, you could break it in half. True. You know, you do you do half on break. Um, Yeah, no, I watched it because we were out of town, so I watched it in a hotel, and my wife was asleep, and then you don't want to blare the TV, Mm. Uh, so I I had to watch it at a respectable volume. And I told you this is one that you want to blast. Yeah. Then I was like, okay, all right. And I li- I'll just say I liked it well enough that I'm like, I'm, I want to watch it again. So when we got home, um, I was like, ah, there's, you know, it was Sunday night and the football game was trash. And I was like, oh, I'm just going to watch it. So I restarted it, had headphones on. And you're right, the the sound and the mixing and the music, it's it uh, it is great. And I was able to pick up on a few little things I didn't notice the first time. Mm-hmm. Or here the first time. Um, which one of these do you want to talk about first? Because I feel like uh, w- there's a fair amount, I think, to talk about both. I just think there are two radically different movies in that. Yeah. I really enjoyed one, and there was one that I just really didn't enjoy, and that's obviously the Marvels, because I just said the killer was good. <laughs> so which I, one of the when you want to get rid of the... I mean, are you on the same page, or, or I no? mean. 
Yes, mostly. I will say yes, mostly. And I'll I'll leave it at that. I mean, the Marvels was one that we've talked about before was just continually bombarded with online hate. Yeah. From trolls. Now, in the real world, that's not necessarily the case because everybody I talk to, like they if you're not on the internet scouring comic book forums and stuff, you probably don't know that that's a thing. Yeah. So it is interesting that it's weird because I think you were talking about this movie. You, if you like it, people, some people will argue, well, you just like it because it's Marvel. And if you don't like it, then you hate women and diversity in film. And that's, there's like no in between, but I think talking to just a normal human being in the outside world, not on the internet, you can have just a, a normal conversation. I feel like that's, and that's also where a lot of the good conversations lie with this movie because it's a, all right, either you like it or you don't. You're not trying to end up offending one side or the other. And the other interesting element with this is where I was watching a breakdown video of not just with this movie, but is there a problem with giving notes to filmmakers and they're trying to diversify literally the MCU in a way that they are afraid of like doing something that it could be deemed offensive, but at the same time, it's more objectively businessly speaking on a business level. I think it's a really interesting conversation to have about that in terms of, you know, is, could that be the case? I, I think there are a lot of factors in this and Quite frankly, I just boil, it's a very simple thing. And I think it boils down to what John Carpenter, our favorite JC, we talk about him all the time. Actually, he and Stephen King, where they both mentioned, it starts with story. I'm okay with this too, but we can't go one podcast without saying or mentioning (laughs) Johnny C or Stephen King. Or Stephen King. And I'm okay with that. Um, The thing is, it's like what both both of those guys have said it's story, and I'm all about story. Is it is it a good story? Is it a solid story? And um, that's where I think it really lies. Now, going back to looping back to the start of this, whenever I went on this, not really rant or soapbox, but almost mini mini soapbox. I think it's where this movie is. If you are in the polar extremes of having that conversation, it's tough to have that conversation. But if you talk to anyone, someone at work a family member, someone who may not be online all the time or in this space like we are all the time of just talking about this, then um, that's like you can have a good conversation with that person. Whereas I think there are certain aspects to the Marvels in other MCU movies that aren't great. Like I had a conversation with a coworker where it's like this phase has been very B, like B quality. And we've, we've been used to the A, A-plus quality, especially coming out of Infinity War an endgame, that Infinity Saga. For so long, these Marvel movies have been... I don't even know how to describe this. They they felt stable. Every movie felt stable. Like, I was watching something that... I'm going to assume Kevin Feige had his hand in and approved. 30 minutes mm-hmm. or so into this, I'm like, man, this... Something about this whole thing feels disjointed. It feels like I don't know who is in control anymore. And... I, I, I think you're like me. We went into this movie, I went into this at least, excited for it. I've mentioned this before, having a daughter, having these three female characters, I think that's awesome. 
I think that's great that they have someone to look up to, like girls and women. Um, it's just a shame that I think this movie is just, it feels disjointed. Uh, Nia DaCosta, who directed this, did Candyman a couple years ago, the remake. And that movie is shot so well. Mm-hmm. And then I'm watching this, and this has been a critique of a lot of people, from a lot of people, about Marvel is, you know, these movies are, are cookie cutter in that you are in the Marvel playground, so you're having to do three or four things that Marvel wants, and then you can kind of put your touch on it. Yeah. The good ones are able to do that. This, for me, I'm like, I this is like the most cookie cutter looking movie for me. I didn't think it was necessarily shot well, which is a massive disappointment because her previous film there's so much great cinematography in Candyman it shot so well I'm like what happened with this now did you also see which is her first film Little Woods I didn't but I have to assume that one looks great too I just feel like somewhere along the line she got hired to do this and it just feels like it's a hired hand and I know a lot of people have critiqued that of you know, real film, real filmmakers, quote unquote, don't want to do those movies because they're not allowed to actually make their own movie. And maybe there's some level of truth to that. But then, like a Taika, the, both those felt like Taika from the comedy standpoint, mm. at least. Um, I think the Russos had a style to them that mm-hmm. I could pinpoint at this point. It felt to me too like there's clearly, I think, a lot of stuff behind the scenes happening. Brie Larson, I think, at times is not good in this. Mm. And we should say for both these movies, just full-blown spoilers, so we don't have to worry yeah. about saying anything. But she has, like, an emotional scene late in this movie, and I'm like, you, you're not good. Like, it's it's her tearing up, and it didn't... I'm like, I know you're better than this. And it almost felt like she didn't want to be there. Yeah, for sure. That was a big one for me, I feel, where it was almost as if... We've got the three leads, and of the three, she was the one phoning it in the most. Even Sam Jackson seemed to be bringing more than what she was. He's weird, too, though, because I'm like, what happened to Nick Fury? This guy is cracking jokes. Yeah. He didn't seem like Nick Fury to me because of that. I think there is some good chemistry with the three leads, but I think it's strange that this is the decision they went for a sequel to Captain mm. Marvel. Like, she feels so sidelined in this movie. And I I think that might just be because we're going with such the younger crowd. And then also we get that post credit scene where she, Ms. Marvel, is literally pu- pulling the Nick Fury and going in, the, in, that, in that direction that we've speculated about for a while where they are looking at assembling the young avengers and that's really the first time we see that with her going and recruiting kate bishop is that going to be a show though well so here's i don't know i i don't i i feel like that's leading up to what's supposed to be the next big thing in the mcu but the problem with this and here's another thing going back to the business-minded aspect of talking about a movie ms marvel i that was the lowest viewed uh, or least viewed MCU show on Disney Plus so far. And I think, and I hate that because I love, I think Amon Vellani is awesome as Kamala Khan. I think she has a natural like fangirl quality about her that is very endearing and it's easy to fall in love with. And it's easy for you to l- relate 
not only to her, but then also that character is just, she just seems cool. And that's something that I think is easy to get on board with, whereas at Captain Marvel, it might be more of a disconnect because she's so powerful. And I feel like that is a problem that the MCU's kind of backed themselves into a corner. I'm like, what do we do with this character who is so powerful? Oh, yeah. Almost from the beginning, they seem to have not known what to do with her. Mm-hmm. And with her being such a, like, Superman or Superwoman in this case character, I I think there's a lot that you can do, but they're just... I, it, so much of the MCU now, and again, it's not where I'm saying I'm done. And we've had this conversation before on the podcast, but I am, I'm just dissatisfied with so many decisions that they've gone with because there are pieces, they're just making the wrong decisions in terms of where to place those. Same way with Captain Marvel. And it is weird, like you said, that she is sidelined in the sequel to her film, I think teaming up, I think it's a cool concept. I like the concept overall. But whenever she plays such a backseat to her follow-up film, it's kind of odd. Um, however, Ms. Marvel does a great job, and Teona Paris as well is great. Which, by the way, did we ever get a name for her by the end of it, this? I know Ms. Marvel. They, I don't, yeah, I don't think they ever, I don't think they ever mention that her name what her name is. is isn't it like, uh, uh, is it not face Photon, Photon or something that's like that? It, yeah. Yeah, they never mention it. I, I think it's strange, too, that it's, you know, they do those shows on Disney Plus, and for the longest time, they're like, you don't need to see those to understand the MCU, you know, films. What is going on? And with this movie, I'm like, you really should watch WandaVision mm-hmm. and Miss Marvel. yeah. Because otherwise, you're not gonna you're really, truly have no idea what's going what's going on with two of the three characters. Speaking too on behalf of what you said, I think my biggest gripe about the movie, weirdly enough, is that it does seem very cookie cutter. It's almost as if an AI wrote this, and it's like these are where we put the uh, characters. This is the story. Here are some elements that. You know, some of the quips, you've, we've got Nick Fury making these, cracking these jokes, and this character act doing this, and it just seemed very, um, very bland as, like, overall. And I, I, did, I did actually enjoy the story, and honestly, I had fun with the movie, uh, but it was just that with it seeming like any anything else, and that was the thing that was most disheartening. And I think there are some elements in here where just like Nina DaCosta, the director, she had mentioned that she wants to, she doesn't want to stay in one lane. Like Little Woods, her first film was more of like a drama, indie drama, uh, Candyman, obviously a horror film, and this being an action-adventure superhero film. I think that if she were to use some of those elements from Candyman... I think that would, like, some of the shots, cinematography, just the way she structured that in terms of, like, tension, there are some moments in here where you could play off of that or make it really dramatic, and it just felt like, as you said, some of those moments just played out as, uh, well, that could have been better, but I guess we'll just go with that. Villain 2 was pretty weak. I kind of like the idea. It's always something, too, of the main hero has done something in the past <laughs> we have to we have to seek revenge i did kind yeah. of like even though it really didn't make any sense 
how they're surviving on Hala or whatever in the first place. Oh, yeah. And then I did kind of like that she's trying to restore it. But then by the end of the movie, Captain Marvel restarts the sun. And I'm like, you you did that, but you couldn't take down this weak villain? Like continually yeah. just like beat you down. So that was just... And I didn't think the villain... And not that you had to be fun, but this villain was not fun. There yeah. was like nothing to her that I was like, oh, man... I can't wait till Dar Ben shows back up on screen. <laughs> <laughs> I did like uh, my favorite scene in the movie, and it might be a tad polarizing, especially if you're on the old internet, uh, <laughs> because people complained about the cats. What, what, who oh, are they yeah. making this movie for? Well, they made it for me because I love cats. So the oh. flurkin scene where they're eating everyone, <laughs> I'm like, that feels like someone came up with something really fun and clever, and we got it on film. Like, of all the stuff in this movie, that was, I was like, oh, man, that's, give me more silliness of like that. And that's the wackiness, I'm assuming, that Nia DaCosta said is something this movie does that other Marvel movies don't do, which I don't oh, yeah. agree with that because there have been other silly things. But it is a sequence yeah. where I had a lot of fun, and I do love the kitties. And there was a cat, and this is so stupid, but there was a cat that looked like mine, and when that scene's going on, I literally pointed to the screen and, you know, leaned into my wife and I go, that looks like Kit. And she was like, yes, <laughs> that looks like Kit. <laughs> so that made me happy. That was the best scene in the movie, movie for me. Um, I don't know. Maybe this maybe this replay is a little better because leaving, leaving the old theater and I looked at my Marvel rankings... Uh, you know, I like to see a movie twice before I officially slot it into a ranking. And then it can obviously fluctuate in time when I rewatch things. But I I walked out thinking this is my least favorite Marvel movie so far. Interesting. And I looked and I, I had Quantumania at the very bottom simply because I think Quantumania is a better movie than this. But the stakes going into that movie were supposed to be so high, and they dropped the ball. And I was so disappointed. Yeah. Now, I told you the other day, I restarted Quantumania. I'm maybe an hour into it. And I can tell you, it's not going to be in my bottom anymore. It is. It, it plays mm. better the second time. And I have a feeling this one might, too. And I do appreciate that it's like 90 minutes, self-contained. It is fun. I just wish... Yeah, I wish someone had come up with a more clever story to bring these three characters together. And um, maybe some of the feeling that Brie Larson's phoning it in is maybe they did reshoots and maybe she wasn't happy behind the scenes and it kind of translates to what's on screen because I think the other two are having a lot of fun. Yeah, they are. And you you can see that, I think, very evidently. And even before we started recording, I mentioned that I listened to several interviews with Tayona Paris and just the fact that she comes off. You want to keep calling her Tayona Price, don't you? Yeah, no, no, I, cause I keep wanting to, and I don't know why with Paris. I, yeah, no, it's, um, I'm just, uh, it's hard for me to get her name out there just because I'm in love. And I uh, literally, (laughs) she's very, she's very attractive. I I literally can't, I can't get her off my mind. So for that reason, um, the uh, just the fact of hearing her talk about the movie, she gives so many genuine answers, kind of like 
Amon Vellani, where any anytime Tayona is spoken about the movie, she she just has like certain examples. I'm like, you're cool. You're a cool person. And you're not just saying this because you have certain things to back it up. And the way she reacts and responds, I think, is uh, evident of her true feelings. I think maybe their performances, too. And I don't want to. I don't want to put something on Brie that's not not true, but Brie has hit a level of success. Mm. And these two have done things, especially Tayona, but like to be in a Marvel Marvel movie is a privilege. So I think maybe that helps when you're on set, you're giving it your all and you're excited about what you're doing that maybe that's why you know Brie doesn't come across like that. So another scene that's got a lot of uh fanboys butt hurt <laughs> is the scene where they land on this planet that just everyone sings. And from what I've read on the old internet is that scene was like 20 minutes long and they really shaved it. <laughs> they trimmed it to like five minutes yeah. after test screenings. I found that one to be, um, I don't want to say irritating, but I was like, this, this almost feels so far out of left field that I don't know what you're going for. Yeah. And I wasn't into it. And it just kind of leads to nothing mm-hmm. and actually opens up, I think, more questions of what's been going on with Captain Marvel and stuff like <laughs> that. But I didn't know if you liked that. or and Because I will say the entire movie, my audience, and it wasn't, we went Saturday at 7, and there was maybe 15 people in the auditorium, a decent-sized auditorium, and they were quiet up until the <laughs> mid credit scene and people lost their minds. Actually, that was the same for me, quiet during the entire screening. I texted you, it was like six or eight people in the theater total. Uh, not a lot. Quiet, even the mid credits, crickets. Not really. Yeah, no one, no one like lost it. And then, uh, yeah, even for that, for, for both, uh, both of those scenes, which technically, I should correct myself earlier. I've said the mid credits with Miss Marvel. That was actually the very end of the movie. That wasn't even a like a post credits. I was like attached. Well, that's yeah. The Miss Marvel recruitment scene felt like that should have been the mid credit scene, and then you do the Beast reveal. I guess at the very yeah. Which I will say, I I lied unintentionally. The very end. So that with the cats meowing at the with the Marvel logo that's on the screen, that pissed them off because no joke, there were like two sitting in front of me and it seemed like they were on a date and they're like, that's it. And they're like, don't you think (laughs) when you go into a movie and it's something like this where a, a credit scene is expected, there should be something on the door that's just like mid credit scene. You'll want to stay for that. The second one is like a joke. So scoot if you want yeah. to. Like, they should give you the courtesy. Sure, right. And that's, I know, I feel like they were the the couple, I'm, I'm assuming, sitting in front of me, that they were uh, together, and that made them mad. I think they were so upset and offended by that. They're like, we just wasted five minutes of our time. Yeah, I actually I actually think you could ruin someone's experience with that because that's the True. last thing they remember. So yeah. did you like the singing sequence or did you think it was weird? All right, hot take. I'm about to make everyone mad with this one. Cat scene, didn't really mind. Like it was a fun concept and I was on board with it. I was also kind of on board for the planet. And I think I'm the only one who, like everyone who I've talked to or I've read about, they've hated that. 
I actually thought it was like, okay, like the Captain Marvel thing. I'm like, wait, so what has she been up to? Because like you said, there it opens up a lot of questions about what she's been doing, which I kind of like and leaving that up there of like, oh, all right. So she's been exploring the galaxy as Nick Fury said at the beginning of the movie, Prodigy of the Milky Way. Cool. I'm, I'm cool with that. Whatever. She's been out there doing her thing. Singing Planet, I feel like we haven't gotten enough of like singing or I'm not going to say singing, just different planets where it's just out there and just like it could be weird. This was like, I'm on board with it. I don't mind it. I don't hate it. I don't love it. I had fun with it. But I will say on rewatch, I'm curious if I will like it or if that will annoy me. Because whenever it happened, as soon as that started happening, they went into dance. I almost started clapping. I'm like, I know the scene that's pissing off all the fanboys, and I'm kind of liking this. <laughs> Doesn't the scene come right after they leave that planet or whatever that <laughs> just gets completely wiped out? Yeah, yeah. And that's the other so thing. So that's kind of odd, say- too, is they go and they're just like, Miss Marvel's happy and chipper again. I'm like, why? You just saw all those people get wiped out and you were mad about it and now you're singing and stuff. Yeah, and that's something that the movie, that's where I get more irritated, more than a cat scene, more than the singing scene and the singing planet. Um, was the, the cat fact- scene's brilliant. Let's just get that straight. <laughs> yeah, I'm okay. I'm okay saying that that's, that's good. The thing is, for both of those, actually, both of these scenes, but for the the... The thing that makes me, that irritates me more than those two scenes is the fact that we move on from like scene to scene, not just so quickly, but it's at a disregard of what just happened. So I did, I I went to see this because I was, um, I saw another movie right after this, but I had some time. So I'm like, I'm just, I'm just going to like watch so long as I don't get like kicked out right away i just want to see like a few minutes into this again and i had some time to burn and it's like 20 minutes whatever so i went in just watched a little bit a few minutes i noticed almost immediately because there's a little bit of time in between i noticed immediately that it seems as if the movie moves at a pace where they either cut a lot out in editing or oh they hacked it yeah that's what it feels like or reshot a bunch. Something's not right. There, that that's one thing that I'm like. There's something wrong about this, and that's where I feel like it bleeds through. And like you said, it's the disregard, of like Captain Marvel, like not really noticing anything about that planet. It's like, all right, so you're literally like the queen of this, and yet you don't show any emotion of the. And they all got wiped out, right? Like they're gone. They're dead. Mm-hmm. So it's like, and they have a. They actually have a confrontation with each other, kind of. And she's like, we had to do what we had to do or whatever. Yeah. And then they just uh, move on with really out much, without much thought about it again, it seems like. And, and I think that what you just mentioned is a very great thing to lead in with not only Ms. Marvel, but then also having uh, Rambo uh, in this in terms of addressing this, like Captain Marvel's like, I've done this for so long, you just have to like... You, you get to a point of where it's almost like you're desensitized. But then for them, they're like, how can you be? Like, these are people or these are planets or homes, whatever. And that would be a good point of confrontation where you could have that happen the first time with the scrolls. But then at, then later on, it's like you do it again. It's like you're not learning your lesson. You are 
not a human. You know, I think that itself would pose, and also for Nia da Costa to handle that context, I think would be a very interesting, a much more interesting movie than what we got to deal with that. And it's like the coming of uh, of a superhero. And you've got three different stages. Ms. Mar or Captain Marvel's the top. She's, you know, done this for a lot longer. Then we've got Photon, if that's going to be Teona Paris's name. And she's like in between. She's older. She's gotten this life experience. And then there's Miss Marvel, who's a young kid, and she's just starting as a superhero. Three different stages. I think that would be an interesting look at not only superheroes, but how do we normalize that? Or how do we get the awe of superheroes back, which I think is something Marvel's missing. We've we've been missing that of like what makes us so attracted to the superheroes in the first place. And anyways, that's that's my soapbox of saying that's the movie we should have gotten rather than the movie we did get. So Marvel MCU high low or high high mid low tier. Oh, see, I would say this is low. I don't think it's not the very bottom. I still, man, ever since we ended up podcasting about it and I rewatched Thor Love and Thunder, even oh. rewatching it, it, it plays better on the second time, but yeah. man, I, I think that's my least favorite. Even like over Iron Man 2, which is one that I I don't really crap on like a lot of people, but it, it is not, it, it is pretty weak. Yeah, it is. And that I'm not a fan of Iron Man 2 either. I I do think Love and Thunder might be below just because like it was such a swing. And I do have to say it was an ambitious movie, but man Ty could just like it was like he had diarrhea and blue chunks all over the walls. And, <laughs> and that's just what it felt. And Feige didn't want to get near him, so he couldn't control it. <laughs> yeah. He's like, just do it. Well, it sounds like Tyka's done. Thankfully. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm okay. I'm okay with that. Yeah, it's low for me. And at the moment, maybe, maybe the very bottom. But I have a feeling it'll climb a few spots and get out of the dump. Yeah. <laughs> Dumpy last place. Now, now I will say on first watch, this is going to sound another very um, probably controversial statement. On the first watch, I might have enjoyed this more than the first oh, Captain boy. Marvel. Nah, first one, first one's not great, but I do. I think it's just a better movie, and I, I like that I, it's more of a singular focus on her. Yeah, and I do. I do want to go back and rewatch that as well. That's that's something that this movie's made me want to do. In addition to watch everything Tayona Paris is in, it's it's I think just a better made movie too. I just think it looks True. better. I will say that 100% is, I agree with that. It, it is a hits, better looking movie. Uh, it hits some emotional beats that this one doesn't hit. Mm. And I do like, and I, I know Sam Jackson's in this quite a bit, but he is a, a, a big main character in Captain Marvel. And I feel like with a lot of these new ones that are introducing all these new characters, that you need a little bit of the OG spirit. For sure. To kind of usher in this new wave. And I feel like that's where they've kind of lost their way of we're moving past that too quickly. Let's find a better way to segue into this next generation. Because mm -hmm. they've even, lost their footing. Even rewatching Quantumania, I'm like, Cassie is annoying and they really <laughs> want 
her to be like a main character in this massive, important story, and I don't like it. I I want Ant Man to be the big, the big star of this, and he he's not overshadowed, but she's obnoxious. She's just not a character that I want to spend too much time with. But <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> anyway, that's I mean I'm also a, again a 37 year old man, so that's <laughs> not I'm not the target demo, and I'm not the target demo for the Marvels, and that's okay. I still enjoyed it, even though I didn't love it. Now, one movie I, I don't want, I agree with that. I don't want to say I love this next movie, but it's David Fincher's The Killer, which was very high on my most anticipated list. Oh yeah, it's um, David Fincher. I think a return to form because he did Mank for Netflix, which ninety nine percent of that movie doesn't feel like a Fincher film to me. Mm. And it's funny that there are certain trailers that you watch and you immediately have an idea of what you're going to get. And there was one recently, and I don't think it was a good thing, but I'm like, I just, that doesn't, I mean, it might have been Quantumania, those trailers. I was like, this just doesn't look good. Mm. And my fears of that movie ended up being reality. Now with The Killer, the teaser and then the trailer, Watching it, I'm like, one, this feels like Fincher getting back into what he does best. Like, it feels like a Fincher movie. And then it also feels like he, not, I don't want to mean this in like a negative way, but it's like a, almost a greatest hits of what Fincher does really well in his films. And I walked away after watching this, which was just like, those trailers nailed it. It's Fincher mm-hmm. back to being Fincher. And there's so many things in this that I felt were like kind of fun callbacks to things in his previous movies, whether it's shots or there's, you know, just stuff like that, that it felt like the greatest hits of Fincher. Um, Were you into this movie? Because I know a lot, it seems to be mixed. I don't know what people expected going into it. Yeah, and that's one thing I found to be the most, I can't say perplexing, but as I mentioned at the beginning of this recording, we've got the audience and critic scores flipped, whereas critics love The Killer, but audiences were very soft on this movie. But I will say I dug it. I loved it, and I really think that the whenever I went in to see this, people seemed to be in it, like they were invested in this. They were there because they are Fincher fans, like true Fincher fans. And since this is the first movie we've received in so long with the collaboration of writer Andrew Kevin Walker and Fincher, it felt like you said that, I can't say throwback, but that return to what Fincher has been, like he's grown to be known as. But also I felt like this was almost self-reflective of Fincher's work as an artist this movie about like being methodical about taking your time about you know execution is everything that's literally the slogan and tagline for this movie and it's like this seems to be (laughs) um fincher's like i'm the killer (laughs) more or less i'm the one who is like doing all of this and i'm trying to um like he just almost like related to it or this was a i can't say a parody but i have heard of others saying that this is like his version of like a parody i think it's more of self reflection of what he sees possibly of himself i didn't even i honestly didn't even think about 
that being a representation of him and um you I don't even know what that is the the OCD cuz he mm-hmm. he's known right. for you know let's do this seven this do this shots or this take 70 times cuz you're not getting it right and that's really what this guy is <laughs> this killer has yeah. established uh, in his routine of I don't miss and I'm perfect but I have this you know I have these things that I do to be that way yeah I yeah I don't know if people were expecting an all out action film um this i mean the movie is what i expected which was yeah something goes wrong and he has to rectify it and he basically goes from stop to stop taking care of business there's five chapters i believe and an epilogue and i think a lot of people went into this expecting something different and it's kind of an easy answer but the florida one is freaking awesome because we have a fight between this massive dude and Michael Fassbender as our uh, assassin main character. And the action scene and the fight is done. It looks like Fincher did that so easily, and he made one of the best fights I've seen in a long time. Yeah. I mean, this whole movie looks incredible. But there's things in this I'm like, that would be so hard for some people, but you made that look so easy. Yeah, and especially with the having the choreography of throwing the TV and the gun, like wrestling for the gun and all of that. I will say that is like something I really want to rewatch. My favorite might've been the Tilda Swinton and the fact that Fassbender calls her a Q-tip and (laughs) whenever he's sitting there, but it's not, it's not just that, but it's the conversation with her. There's something that I have, over the last couple of movies, actually the last couple of weeks and months, I've noticed some of my favorite moments in movies, and it boils down to acting and how can you portray a conversation. And I've thought, I actually said this to someone today, but Mike Flanagan, not to derail this, Mike Flanagan, there's a conversation in Midnight Mass that occurs between the priest and another character. One of the best scenes of that entire miniseries. Same way with Killers of the Flower Moon. There are some of the best scenes are very quiet scenes, and they're also the most terrifying. And this, the killer, same situation, we end up getting a conversation between the killer and then Tilda Swinton's character, and it's where even in that moment, it's like he's trying not to break character. And he does a little bit with drinking you know, a sip of the whiskey, but then at the very end, and he's like, was that anticipate nothing or or his phrase about the don't improvise and and that where it's like and, and also don't show remorse or whatever and it's where she slips and she's like can you give me a hand he's like no and kills her right there and then it reveals she's got a knife and i'm like oh man like again that sets that up where you think this guy's so cold-hearted but yet his this what seems to be a strange method is actually something that saved his life and has kept him alive and then that happens right after the florida fight and you're like holy crap like something about that from start to finish and then that's the reveal to me i'm like i love that so that might be my favorite just because of how that played out and you think man you could be at the end of your life like she is why not show a little remorse or take a little you know whatnot and that itself is just like 
to me, kind of set the stage like, all right, that's Fincher. That's him saying, putting his flag in the sand, saying, this is why I do what I do, because I might get criticized for it, but I do this because it gives you a damn good movie. I I almost wondered watching this, and I kind of thought this the second time, is do we, because he's so methodical that for him to miss at the beginning of the movie almost seems illogical. Mm-hmm. And it sends him on this crazy trail um, of revenge because they retaliate for him not getting the job done. And it made me wonder if he intentionally missed on purpose. Hmm. Because what it leads to is he kills everyone that he needs to kill and then ends up basically blackmailing this rich, what was he? Oh, he's Cat, some venture capitalist or whatever he is. Yeah. And he's able to blackmail him and be set for life. And that is his way into retirement. And I was like, that's kind of a fun way of, did Getting he actually out. do this intentionally because he knew he could get out of it and he knew he could end this career, this life and be okay. I mean, it's kind of a, I don't know if that's just trying to find something in something, but I thought that was kind of fun. I do like that though, because I hadn't thought of that either in in terms of you do have someone who plans this out and it does make you wonder, especially the end where he's out and that's like where he is sitting down and it's a final shot. Um, I like that though. I, I kind of, I, I, I think that adds more to the movie and that will make me, whenever I go back and rewatch this, look at that in a different light because I like that. That's a good theory. Now, the only thing is, by him missing, his girlfriend is like nearly, she's beaten, nearly killed. So that is the thing of, yeah, would he have done that? Well, I mean, it fits. For somebody that he obviously cares about because he goes on this revenge spree. True, but is it less revenge and more of that's what he's doing to set himself free? I mean, it is fitting for what he's told, what we hear him say in his mind over and over again. It is fitting. It does fit with the narrative of him showing no remorse and being calculated and the fact that there is a reason for everything. I don't know. I think that gives... I, it, because the character itself, you don't have necessarily that same quality like, say, John Wick, where... That character with Keanu, even though he is a cold-blooded assassin, you get this sense of he did love the dog or he did love his wife. So with the killer, we don't really get that, right? Like, even though it seems as if he's going on this rampage, is it less of that because to do this in revenge for her or is it more for him to not only clear his name but then get to clear a slate where he's good. He doesn't have to look over his shoulder, but then also get out of this because he takes out everyone involved that knows about him, ideally. And then it's also those that are going after him at the same time. So it's one fell swoop. He's done. Fassbender is um, quite incredible in this. And he, he played, he, I guess he, uh, he plays it like a robot almost. A lot like David from Prometheus. Yeah, and I was thinking that watching this of... Man, he's so good in those alien movies. Like, say what you will about him. <laughs> but he is freaking incredible. And yeah. I thought he was great in this because he has to carry the entire film, basically. Because there are other actors in this. And, and obviously, Tilda's in it, and she's really good by the end of it. 
But we are just following this guy around as he does his day to day day to day job, yeah. which just happens to be um, an assassin. I love the look of him, mm-hmm. and I like that you know he mentions I I got this look from a German tourist, and he explains why he did it. Yeah. And David Fincher had a quote. I'm pretty sure it was him that he with this movie he wanted um it was something along the lines of i want you to be and i can't remember if you told me this or if i read it so let me know if you said this already on the podcast but it's like i want you to be afraid of the guy behind you in line at like home depot oh, like yeah. what are they gonna do with what they're buying and i thought that was an interesting thing because you know he goes to like an ace hardware or something in this movie and he's picking up um stuff that you would just think you're using for construction or or home whatever and he's going to use that stuff <laughs> to uh to kill a couple people and stuff like that. So <laughs> I, I think that's kind of a fun little idea of this a guy you wouldn't think twice about and what is he doing with what he's buying and little things like that I thought were cool. That is I I didn't say that but I also love that because that made me think too of what if you are in line at the store and it doesn't even have to be Home Depot. It could be Target or Walmart or wherever. And you've got this, this guy that's like minding his own business, but just like to himself and maybe a little bit too much. That's it's kind of a really eerie thing to think about. The, the one, he goes to like a grocery store at one point to buy stuff to drug the dog. And that's actually the stuff that's a little creepier because it's just like (laughs) stuff to knock you out, ground beef, and then like a thing of alcohol or whatever it was. And that's when you're like, oh, the red flag should be going off the, (laughs) what are you going to do with these four or five items? I I do love that, though, with the dog. And the dog's losing its mind, and yet he's staying the course. He throws in one ball, dog's still losing it, throws in another, and then he's like getting his attention, but he's calm. He doesn't give up. He just throws in one, throws in another, and then next one, dog's out. And I also love the fact that he didn't hurt the dog. Well, yeah, that was a cute little pit bull. And you know Fincher, <laughs> and I said this on my letterbox review. Um, I don't usually review stuff on there. I just sometimes leave one or two quips. But I said, you know Fincher had to have made that pit bull do like 40,000 takes <laughs> yeah. to get those shots right. That was like a family uh, of pit bulls he had to hire for that. Yeah, reason. there was like 20 pit bulls used. Very pretty. I love that whole scene. I thought the fight is amazing. Let like I said, I, I I like every chapter feels like its own, like almost little episode. Yeah. All rolled into one. And this would make it a badass, like four or five episode series. And with the graphic novel, there's more stories to tell. So I don't know Ooh. if he would be keen on doing more with this character. Would you like to see a live action or would you like him like to see him take it over to like animation, like what he's done with Love, Death, Robots. No, I, I, live action. It's hard for me to get into animation stuff. And let me, one question to ask you real quick. What do you think about the music in this, his killer playlist? Oh, yeah. Oh, The Smiths? Yeah. Um, one thing I do love about this movie is it's funny. It's funny in this like weird, dark way. Yeah. And... That was one of the elements, especially rewatching it. Every time a new Smith song would come on, and by like an hour into it, I'm like, "That's this dude literally just listens to one band only." <laughs> and I started laughing every time I would hear a new yeah. one, and I thought that was actually pretty smart. I think they said the Smiths were not 
the original choice mm. that they wanted for what he was listening to. I can't remember who they uh, who they wanted. Now this is weird. I'm driving to work the other day, and Spotify has like an AI DJ, <laughs> and he like talks to you, and then he's and then he plays you songs. And um, I had been listening to the Trent Reznor Atticus Ross oh, score loves. for this. And I don't know if this like somehow connects into the data that they come up with, you know, the algorithm or whatever. But I'm driving to work, the AI's playing, and one of the first songs it plays is the Smiths, This Charming Man, which is featured in this. And I about bust out laughing. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> this is, I guess I need to go on a killing spree right now because <laughs> it immediately made me think of him just sitting in the van listening to music, waiting to do whatever it is he had to do. I thought that was funny. And I think a lot of things in this are like really dry, dark and don't, comedy. Don't forget where he's popping a hard-boiled egg. And eating the McDonald's uh, sandwich, <laughs> you know, removing the bread. I love that, though. I love that he's so calculated. He's calculated down to the T of the protein, talking about how that's a good source of protein, removes the slices of bread and just chows down on it in the park. And no one cares. I don't know how he was able to do the stretching at the beginning of this movie. Ooh. I Like, watching it is almost painful. I'm like, how do you bend like that? And it's freaking fast bender, man. I don't know if there's a lot about this I didn't like. It's not top-tier Fincher for me. Right now, it's, I think, at number seven. And so it's deep on there, but I think he has such an amazing filmography that being number seven or eight is not a bad thing. Yeah, that's a thing about Fincher. Like you said, wa- walking out of the movie, I'm like, it's 100% what you said. It doesn't spoil anything. The best way to describe this movie is it's his greatest hits. But that is not a bad thing. I'm looking at, yeah. And, I mean, honestly, too, considering the movies he's done, I would I would, pro- I would probably agree. I don't know about the rankings, but I would say this would be toward the bottom. But that's not, again... When you've got a list like Fincher's got, and I mean, that's that's not bad. That's not bad. That's, I mean, this movie's still solid. Of his 12 movies, honestly, Mank is the one that I just have no mm. desire to watch again. It's my least favorite. I'm not saying it's not a good movie. It's just not necessarily what I want. And I just think the replay value is super low mm. for me. It's just not, eh. Now, what do you think about replay for this movie considering you've already seen it twice well it's rare that i watch something almost within days of each other back to back so that should tell you everything there was a there's like an ease to this movie where you're just literally watching a guy do something yeah he's we're watching him do his job yeah and there's an easiness to watching that and then finding it fascinating and it just happens to be something that's violent murderer um and he's a he's a bad bad did you like how but he does he does have a little compassion by the end of this. He with that one woman. Um oh, right. With the secretary. Yeah, the secretary, he makes it look like she fell down the steps. You know, it was that little kind gesture that is I guess goes against what he would normally do. Well, I also love that confrontation though, where she says, I know how you are about making the bodies just disappear. And I love that fact because, like, she's like, I'm not getting out of this. There's nothing that she can do to leave. And when she tried that one escape and she's like, I'm not going to. She was calm and collected around him. Like, so for that one time when he left, 
the van and she's in the van screaming, trying to get out. And she's like, I'm done. And because of that, I love that where she's like, at least make it look like, don't let my body disappear. Don't let my family, because you have to think. Never, yeah, never know what Yeah, and that's got to be one of the worst things ever. Like more than death is like, are they alive? Are they dead? You spend oh, years, it's the, yes. you know? Wow, that'd be so, awful. So I, 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 would, I think about that with missing mm-hmm. kids or even like, my dog ran away and we never knew yeah. what happened. That would eat me up inside. Yeah. But thankfully he uh he snapped her what neck. What's the best kill? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Was It's the fight. It's the fight in Florida. That's oh, the best. Yeah. So good. I may just rewatch that on a loop every day. I'll wake up and watch that. I I mean I it's so good that I I I'm not trying to be funny. I might rewatch that part tonight Ooh. too. I mean, I might do the same. Any any other thoughts about uh, the killer? I will say this is. I give it to I give it I give Netflix props. This yeah. this was a Fincher film through and through. Yeah, I and if they continue to allow him to do whatever he wants in terms of this, this isn't like a hundred and fifty million dollar Zack Snyder film that I'm like, what really do we we rein him in a little bit? Yeah, true, but it's no Rebel Moon. Goodness gracious. Like, I mean, seriously, if he's got a good relationship and these, this is what he's going to be making, then bring, in, bring on even more stuff. I'm down. I, I, I like it, too. Um, the one thing I wish you were able to see it in the theater because, man, that sound design. Mm. Just the, it was just so cool. And the shots, and I mean, it, it looks so freaking gorgeous. It looks amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So that's it. I, 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 this, there's a lot. I, same as you. Not a lot I can say about my dislikes for it. Solid movie. I was a little iffy on the ending at first. I was like, wow, we didn't like get... Like the very ending? Well, just the fact that we don't get like some big confrontation. And we do. It's a conversation, and then he obviously kills Tilda, and that's that's it. Well, no, and then when he goes to the, the billionaire, and then it just... Because we're expecting mm-hmm. him to kill him, and nothing happens... And I was a little like, I don't know if I like that. And then that got my mind going on. Maybe this was all intentional. And I'm like, that's kind of mm. fun. And then rewatching it, I'm like, oh no, it works. It works, I think, really well. And I think that's maybe what's turned people off of this, is they thought it would be some Jason Bourne, John yeah. Wick thing. And it's just not. It's not what this is. And that's okay. It's Fincher does that in a sense, but it's his version and I like it. And that's what I expected going in. And I just, I will say in addition to that, having the Trent Reznor, Atticus Finch, that, or Atticus, (laughs) (laughs) freak, I always get it messed up. Atticus, what? Ross. Ross, yes. Not to kill a mockingbird, uh, but that Atticus. So that score, man, it's just, it also, it's funny whenever I first started playing during the, opening credits i'm like oh it's freaking mute mayhem again a little gone girl i mean it's a mixture of just like dragon tattoo it's so good they always have Mm -hmm. a style that you just know and i dig it and um i I mean this movie and we don't have a lot of time left but this story is something we've seen a billion times before Mm -hmm. but i like that it it's fincher's version of what we've seen and Mm. story-wise it doesn't break any new ground but i think performances and the way it's shot and the music and everything about it elevates it to make it that much better and i'm all for it baby you need to rewatch it yeah oh i will and it's just a matter of time i may do like what you said tonight when we finish i might just cue up that fight 
fight scene. Yeah, because I've been kind of binge. I, I recently rewatched a lot of Fincher, so there's there's a few that I haven't seen in a few years, but um, kind of want to go on a Fincher binge. Uh, yeah, I do too. Fincher binge. Watch the uh, assembly cut of Alien Three, which is I think leaps and bounds better than the the theatrical cut. I've never seen it. And then like I like that 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 version. Yeah, it's it's better. And then I rewatched the game, you know, a couple weeks ago. And then uh, I don't know. I don't know what I'll watch, but you know, I should just rewatch this. <laughs> <laughs> Three times in a week. Wouldn't that be nuts? And then send that to Kevin Feige and be like, maybe you should hire this guy. Nah, that, if he, Fincher would not work well in the Marvel Cinematic true. Universe. Yeah, that's true. All right, so next week is Thanksgiving, and we're gonna we're gonna see that movie and try to talk about Woo. it. If, schedules allow us to a gory thanksgiving but until next time i'm going to steal your line until next time keep watching